Welcome to the Light Bears Institute podcast, where we seek to improve biblical literacy by discussing key storylines and themes in Scripture. Welcome back yet again to a continuing of our walkthrough of the New Testaments with Light Bears. This is Brett Arndt, Fayetteville Campus Director, here with the one and only Andrew Brill. And Not true. I've Googled myself. There are other Andrew Brills. That's actually very true. There's a doctor in San Francisco and a former Expedia engineer in Seattle. <laughs> like, just three? There's three? No, there's and, more, but those are those well, are the top of the list. I Honestly, I'm not surprised. That sounds like something you got. Uh, well. Is that, uh, is that vain? I Googled myself? No, it's, it's no. no we, we do it, right? We It's maybe slightly, slightly vain. Right. Um, well, today, it's not, it's not the San Francisco Brill that's with us. It's the Fayetteville Andrew Brill. Glad to be here. This is fun. It's it is fun. And so Andrew's going to walk us through First and Second Corinthians as we continue this walkthrough of, of New Testaments. Um, Andrew, we have at this point, even in podcasts, we've talked about Paul. Uh, Paul wrote First Second Corinthians, uh, but we don't know much about Corinth or the Corinthians. And so we, we've talked about Paul. Talk about Corinthians. Where yeah. was it? Who were they? Give us some yeah, context. some context here. I can I can talk about that. So Corinth is a is a city. Uh, it actually still is a city today. And um, in the time of Paul, it, it it lay on this is a geographical term for you guys an isthmus. I s t h m u s. Say that one more time. Isthmus. Yes. Spelled just like Great. it sounds. Um, <laughs> and which is a narrow body of land connecting two larger bodies of land. Okay. So. Corinth, the isthmus was 3.7 miles wide. Okay. So just not that wide. And, but why this is significant is it becomes a major city because it controls the trade routes. The only way to trade stuff from Northern to Southern Greece by land is to go through Corinth. So it controls the trade routes. And at the same time, it also um, plays a factor in controlling the sea traffic between the Aegean Sea and the Western Mediterranean. So I say all that just to say, this is a major, major city that yeah. Paul's writing to here. Uh, it was a it was a Greek city that had been um, that was in ruins, but then rebuilt by the Romans uh, in 44 BC. 800,000 people lived there. I mean, it's like it's a capital it's city of a province. Yeah. I mean, this is just a this is a really big city. Um, it's famous in the in the region for its wealth. Famous for, I mean, well known for um, really the the wanton sexuality. Mm. Uh, the term Corinthian girl was kind of a slang in the region for for prostitute, uh, and so you, it was just this large materialistic city in a sense. Um, it had it had an amphitheater that that would seat eighteen thousand people, and as well as a, a like a raised platform in the center center of town where where these traveling speakers would come and they would give speeches a lot of times on on how to advance in life and yeah. so all of that just kind of feeds into the context that Paul's writing into. Uh, but if you think of Corinth, it's really a place where there is kind of a there's a mentality of. I'm okay. You're okay. There's lots of different religious options. Uh, there's different gods that are integrated into the different festivals and the social clubs. But but really, uh, I'm okay. You're okay. Just don't mess with my way of life. Appearance is a big deal. Uh, wisdom uh, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Lust is a big deal. And so you start walking on those roads. You're like, uh, that sounds a little familiar. Yeah. I'm okay. You're okay. Yeah. Appearance, lust, wisdom, all these sorts of things. Uh, so so but that that's that's Corinth in a nutshell. In in 
within scripture, Paul has, Paul's gone there as part of his missionary journey. So kind of Antioch is Paul's home base for missionary journeys, and he does a couple from there. And in Acts 18, sometime around uh, AD 50, we don't know exactly when, but around AD 50, he goes to Corinth. And he does this normal pattern that we've talked about elsewhere of preaching to the Jews and then to the Gentiles and a, a, a small church forms. Well, um, there's some persecution, uh, but then Jesus appears to Paul and says, stay here for I have many people in this yeah. city. It's this incredible moment uh, where Jesus says, I've got people who are here. You need to go find them. Uh, and the way you find them is go go preach the gospel. But Jesus says, they're my people and they're here. And so Paul actually stays there a year and a half, which is, as far as we can tell, it's the longest he's stayed anywhere uh, to this point. And so stays there for 18 months, pours into the church. Uh, and then from there, he travels on to, to Ephesus and stays, you know, and does a, kind of another loop going to Antioch, then goes back to Ephesus, which is kind of where he stays for three years. So that's his really long stretch. And when he is in Ephesus, uh, that's when he's going to start writing to the Corinthians. So he's writing back to a church he planted. So as we talk about the, the, the state of the Corinthian church, I mean, so we just did, uh, we talked about first and second Thessalonians. And so, uh, Paul's tone, even in that one, uh, of it's it's endearing. He's encouraging them, and yet it it, it would appear if if we read First Corinthians, his tone's a, a little different. Uh, we we kind of get a, a different vibe from, from the Corinthian church. And so, uh, what's the state of that church? What, why is Paul's writing? What's maybe the, the 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 state of the tone he's writing? Yeah. So, just a little more context, and I'll get into that. So, when he's at Ephesus. Paul sends a letter to Corinth. So he sends a letter to Corinth, and that is one that we actually don't have. I like to call it zero Corinthians yeah. <laughs> because it comes before first Corinthians. Strangely, that hasn't caught on. Yeah. Um, so zero Corinthians, we don't have it. Okay, but he, he sends this letter, and the Corinthians get that, and they respond with a lot of questions. Kind of how do we run a church yeah. is kind of the, the list of the questions. Uh, and in addition to that, Paul gets a report from somebody named Chloe, uh, a woman named Chloe, who basically comes and says, it's getting bad in Corinth. Like the yeah. church there, it is, it's petty, it's divisive, they're unhappy with, you know, kind of Paul's not a good enough apostle for us. You know, some people are saying, hey, we're with Peter. Other people are saying we're with Paul. Um, I mean, so doctrinally they're off a little bit, but also just, you know, in in terms of just relationally interactive. You have people who um, are suing each other within the church. You have people who are uh, drunk at communion. Yeah. Uh, you have, um, you know, their, their worships are a, are a massive confusion because you got, um, you know, people shouting in tongues and nobody interpreting it. And um, there's gross sexual sin. Um, and I, I use the word gross there just to imply like the, the, the scope of it, you know, I mean, right. there's a, there's a sexual sin that that's going on within the church. All this is within the church. And so, um, basically the Christians in the church are starting to look more like Corinth than they are like Jesus. Yeah. And so Paul is writing to this, to this group here. And I, I think part of it is, I, I think it's significant to remember here we, we like sometimes to, to romanticize the early church basically by looking at a verse in Acts 2, which says the believers were, you know, they were sharing bread, they were fellowship and everything in common. Yeah, they had everything in common. Um, and so we think of the early church that way. 
This is the early church, yeah. and I would argue it's not that different from our church today. Yeah, there's there's petty arguments. I mean, sometimes the sin in our churches today may be a little more uh, culturally acceptable. Right, their sin may well have been pretty culturally acceptable, right. and so it you know that's kind of the way that I think it's helpful to look at it. Is let's not romanticize the early church. Let's look at it and say they had yeah. sin just like we do. Um, they had strengths just like we do. Um, but God cares about their holiness. Yeah. And this is a church that is, by best guess, 50 to 100 people. This is not a 2,000-person church. Right. You know, I mean, it's 50 to 100 people, and it's a big deal to Paul and to the Lord. It's a big deal. Their holiness, their purity, yeah. their unity, that is a big deal. And so I think it's good to look at the church that way. And, you know, the way he starts it out, Paul starts it out, is so he has this greeting, and then he he calls the church, he says, to the, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. So, so he kind of uses this language with them of, you know, essentially, you're all messed up, but you are the church of God. Yeah. And, and he kind of goes forward and says, I give thanks. You know, I give thanks to my God for you uh, because of the grace that was given to you in Christ Jesus. And then he kind of continues on and says, you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. I mean, it's this kind of crazy, ludicrous statement where he has this utter confidence that they're going to persist. Yeah. Um, and which makes really clear he he's not confident in their ability to figure right. everything out. And he doesn't use this language of like, Oh my goodness, you got to pull it together so you can survive. You're about to be wiped out. No, it is utter confidence in Jesus. Yeah. That Jesus, this is his church. He's going to yeah. hold his people together. Yeah. That's uh in, I mean, to your point, this is a church that, I mean, you, you read this one time, we're like, they're in pretty bad shape. And yet Paul calls them saints. Uh, it, it, that's a pretty remarkable thing. And so even for us is really quick to like, uh, here's this, not a saint. And yet Paul's saying, no, these are saints called by God. Mm-hmm. But to your point, and again, if, 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 I mean, you've listened to this podcast before, as we read through the New Testament, we, we see this thread of where's, to your point, where's Paul confident in their sanctification? He's confident that the Lord uh, is, is going to help them through this. He's not confident in the Corinthians, they're a mess. Yeah. Uh, and yet they're saints, praise God, and the Lord's going to help them sanctify them. Uh, and again, this common thread of, of the Lord's got those who are his. Yeah. And we're as depraved as they were. And our hope is that sure. This, yeah. You know, yes, and so, absolutely. um, you know, and, and the call to the church is to be perfectly holy and unified and loving. They were a people in process just like yeah. we are. So yeah. our, our goal is the same. Our hope is equally sure. We're equally in process. Yeah, that's great. I love that. You, you mentioned um, kind of some, Paul's kind of addressing some questions. I mean, he, he uses the language concerning marriage or mm-hmm. concerning the gifts. And so, you, I mean, you get this vibe as we're reading through 1 Corinthians that, hey, these are issues that are coming up. And so Paul's writing to address some of these questions. Talk about kind of that, that, that Q&A yeah. format a little bit. Uh, this seems a little different maybe than some of the other epistles. So talk about that. Yeah, it's you know, there's pieces of this in other epistles, but it never comes out in this length. I mean, you can almost imagine that Paul is sitting there at his desk with their letter in front of him and the letter he's writing, and he kind of keeps referring back to it. And he says, okay, now you you said, you asked about this, marriage. That was your example. Okay, you asked about marriage. Okay, I'm going to talk about this. You know, you asked about the resurrection. Okay, how about this? Okay, spiritual gifts. 
Let me say something about that. The Lord's Supper. Let me say something about that. Um, believers suing each other. Sexual immorality. And I'm not making these up. These are all right. food sacrificed idols. These are all in there. And this is kind of the beauty of reading an entire book and not just pulling out eight verses is you got to, you you get get to kind that. of see this, yeah. this trend. But yeah, so he runs through all of these different things and basically says, you asked about this. Let me give you an answer. Uh, and I think one verse with which is in here, which is really helpful, is uh, it comes up in a couple different forms. But in in six verse twelve, it, Paul writes, "All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything." Hmm. There's this idea here where the Corinthians, and I would argue we're the same way. We want law. Yeah. We want tell me the things I have to do so that I can be acceptable, be approved by God, by you, the Apostle Paul, by whoever. Give me the list of things I need to do. And it's not about law. right? It's not about law. It's about the gospel affecting every area. And it's about keeping in step with the Spirit. And so um, so I think that, that is, that's kind of how you look at it. And so in each of these areas, he's going to give advice, but he's also going to kind of say, Hey, I'm not always going to tell you exactly what to do. I'm going to right. point you to principle. So, for example, can we eat food sacrificed to idols? You know, basically, Paul says, "Well, you can, but the really the bigger issue is whether it bothers your brother." Yeah. Uh, you know, he says, "Okay, should we should we speak in tongues at our service?" And he goes, basically, I mean, you can, but the bigger deal is love and edification of the yeah. body. And so it's not about whether you can speak in tongues or not. It's about are you using your gifts for the good of the body yeah. and not for yourself? Um, you know, uh, lawsuits. You know, he's like, you know, can we sue one another? And he's like, why not just rather yeah. be wrong? Yeah. He kind of answers with the question, you know. And so, there, you know, it's these sorts of things over and over again. Should Should we get married? Is it okay to get married? He says, well, I mean— you can, but the bigger issue is serving Jesus where you are, whether right. you're married or not. So again, every time it's this, you want a clear answer. I'm going to frame it up, Paul says, but I'm going to point you to the bigger principle, which is how does the gospel affect you? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, I mean, what you mentioned this idea of love, and it, I mean, there's popular passages, right, First uh, Corinthians and, and love, and yet that going back to that of man, so much of uh, of of our Christian faith, and I think of. When Paul's writing to Timothy, the aim of our charge, he says, is love out of a pure heart, sincere faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that's the motivation, well, the the it's not whether the meat's good or bad. It's no, let's love our neighbor. Let's love our brother. I mean, he talks about divisions in chapter one, and and he he's going to get even into church discipline. How discipline can be loving that a loving person needs to discipline and not boasting in this. You, you, I mean, he says your boasting's not good. It's mm-hmm. it's this. Uh, oh yeah, well we even accept this person we're not caught but he's like no that boasting is not good love them by expelling them and yet he gets again he's this call back to love yeah love being this theme of love your brother don't do it for the meat it's for the brother love brotherly affection you you probably brett like me have been at a wedding where first corinthians 13 is quoted love is patient yes. love is kind multiple times maybe it was at your wedding yeah, it was not i was but. there but i don't remember <laughs> um as magical as your ceremony was um <laughs> but what i would say is you know, when Paul's writing that, he's not writing that to husbands and wives. He's writing that to the church at large. Right. So love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, that's an aim that we're supposed to be called to right. with our believers in our church. So that's anyways, good. we can keep rolling to Second Corinthians, but but yeah, I think that, yeah. that is that's great stuff. Yeah, so so I mean good good transition there. Second Corinthians, uh so so he wrote first Corinthians 
after zero Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's, here's St. Corinthians. Give us, shape the context for, for us. Why St. Corinthians? What's the context? Yeah, so he's written 1 Corinthians, uh, but again, he's not in Corinth. He's in Ephesus writing that. Um, at one point, Timothy, uh, his essentially disciple, uh, goes, and then it appears, and, and we don't know all the details of this, but it appears from 2 Corinthians, Paul refers to a visit. So it appears that at some point, Paul leaves Ephesus and essentially makes a quick trip over to Corinth. It doesn't really go well. And so he returns to Ephesus and he writes a letter. Um, This letter is not 2 Corinthians. This is what I call 1.5 Corinthians. Mm, Classic. Another one that is yet to catch on. on. (laughs) Okay. Um, So again, we don't, I can't guarantee that, but in chapter two, verse four, he refers to a letter that he wrote and it doesn't appear that he's writing to 1 Corinthians. So it appears that there's one in between 1 and 2 Corinthians. Okay. But he writes this, essentially, it's a really tough letter. He, he rebukes them really clearly. Uh, and, and, and then he starts planning his next visit. So he's like, okay, I wrote him a letter. Now I need to go visit him. Uh, and, but what he does is before he gets there, he sends Titus, another one of his disciples, Titus goes and Titus basically finds out that the church has repented. Like they, they're doing well. The rebuking letter of Paul had its effect. And so, I mean, Paul is fired up. And so he's, he, he's kind of on the way and he stops and he writes this, writes them this letter. And he's like, I'm coming. I'm so excited to see you. So there's kind of a, a reinforcing of of who he is and his message, but there's a little more of a celebratory tone this time around. So what, what, I mean, we talked about this some of first Corinthians, is there a theme that that's prevalent in second Corinthians that, that stands out? Yeah, I, I call it Paul's autobiography. I mean, I don't think we ever see more clearly the interaction between Paul, the apostle and Paul, the man, Yeah, as we do in second Corinthians. And so whereas first Corinthians is very much, here's the issues in your church. Let me talk about them. Second Corinthians is Paul's interpretation in a sense of his own ministry. He talks about his love for the Corinthians and his view of his own, um, his view of himself. And so it's all of that played together. So for example, Paul talks about essentially how he views himself. So there's been criticism and and this shows up in second Corinthians. There's been criticism towards Paul that basically he's not much in person, you know, and there have been lots of scholars who have written about this. Like there are people who think that Paul, a lot of people think that Paul was either blind or had, you know, some kind of eye trouble that probably was visible and I mean, just tough, tough physically for him, but also just tough to be around and look at, you know, there have been people who said, I'm pretty sure Paul was short that he had a big nose. I mean, those are the sorts of things that we don't actually know, but there's definitely criticism that Paul's not much in person that he's sure he's a great letter writer, but he's not much in person. Okay. Um, there's also criticism that he's not a real apostle. Yeah. So, so he's in this really tricky spot of like, well, I've got to prove my worth, right? But I also can't make too much of myself. So right. it's a really you know it's a, interesting it's a line, yeah. spot that he that he that he talks about. And so what he does is he he does a couple of things. Number one, he he clarifies the message. He says, "What I come and talk about is the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ." So he wants to drive them back. He says, "You know, how am I going to view myself? I'm going to view myself as a jar of clay." He's going to use that phrase in Second Corinthians as a jar of clay, a conduit to bring a message. Uh, in addition. I'm going to talk about what I've gone through. Yeah. 
I mean, he t- this is where he talks about, I've received this many beatings. I've been shipwrecked mm-hmm. this many times. And he's not doing it to say, hey, I'm a big deal. I think he's saying it to say, I, I wouldn't have gone through all this stuff if this wasn't right. if this wasn't real. You can take, because he's saying you can take comfort in me because they're putting their trust in Paul as an apostle. And so he's got to say, you can trust my message. Yeah. And then he's going to move on to, to, to visions as well and in chapter 12. But in all of it, there's this echoing question of what do you boast in? Yeah. You mentioned boasting as a, as a key word. The, boasting, that word shows up 84 times in the Bible. I don't have this by memory. It's in some notes that I, when I prep <laughs> for teaching this. Okay, The word boasting shows up 84 times in the Bible. 29 of those are in Corinthians. Shows up way more yeah. in Corinthians than in any other book. So it's this idea of boasting, uh, you know, and he, he's going to quote twice Jeremiah 9, 23, it mm. says, let not the wise man boast of his riches or the wisdom, the rich man boast of his riches, strong man boast of his strength. Let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me. So it's this biblical idea of what do you boast in? And what Paul is going to say is he's going to say, boast in Christ yeah. first and foremost, but you can also boast in me as an apostle because yeah. of, you know, that I have, I have the true message. So it's not that I'm a big deal. But um, he's saying it's it's okay. And then what's really fascinating is paired with that, what does Paul say he boasts in? He says he boasts in weakness. And that's mm. chapter 12, verses 9 to 10. He, he has this hardship that he's, he begs the Lord to take away from him. And he says, and God says, no, my power is made perfect in weakness. And so what does Paul say? He says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Yeah. He boasts in his weakness. Yeah. That... Um I mean, that's good. It's even for us who are disciple makers of, I mean, you get all the different feelings and hints and tastes of who Paul is as missionary, who Paul is as, as kind of theologian. And I liked your point. Here's Paul's man in, in some vulnerability to, to open up. And again, just a reminder for us in disciple making, it's to have these vulnerable moments. And yet, as you're saying, it's not just for the sake of being vulnerable in and of itself. Uh, it's in hopes of Glorifying God for the sake of the gospel, and, and you mentioned this even in what you're just saying. But but Paul in his ministry, how he views himself, he boasts in his weakness. How would you say? How does Paul view his ministry? Yeah. So so he's doing ministry, going around proclaiming the gospel, missionary. How does he view his ministry? He, he talks about this a little in Saint Corinthians, but talked on that. Yeah, and I'm going out of order a little bit in the sense of like. When he talks about himself and how he views himself, that's kind of the tail end of Second Corinthians. He really leads with what's what is my ministry about? Yeah. You know, and so um, so there's how he views himself, you know, as a man. Basically, I'm an apostle and yet I'm I'm a nothing, you know, so yeah. it's kind of the both amp. But then how how does he look at his ministry? Well, he says, and I mentioned the jars of clay passage, he's gonna talk about the idea that we he brings the message of a new covenant. And that's a phrase that's big in scripture comes out of Jeremiah 31. It's going to show up in the new Testament. I mean, Jesus talks about it at the Lord's supper, uh, but he says that we have a new covenant and in a sense, not in a sense, he talks about it being better than the old covenant. Mm -hmm. So over and over again, it's something new is here and it's better. He talks about Moses. When Moses went on the mountain, his face had to be veiled uh, when he received the old covenant. And he says, now this is an even greater covenant. 
Um, and so it says, I'm bringing a new, a new covenant. And in light of that, it's, and this is largely in chapter four, it's all of these things that he says that he does. And so he says that we look at things that aren't seen. We walk by faith, not by sight. We prefer to be home with Jesus. We have as our ambition to be pleasing to Jesus Mm -hmm. and not to, to men. We regard no one according to the flesh. We are ambassadors from Christ. So it's it's this language over and over again of, I have been given an inexplicable treasure, yeah. uh, and it is immeasurable, and the the only thing that I can try and do is, on some level, get out of the way. Yeah. Be, a, be a broken vessel, a, a clean vessel. You know, in, in chapter four, he says... Uh, that it is God, for, he says, for God who said light shall shine in the darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So God, who when there was utter darkness and chaos, brought light in creation, is the one who brings mm-hmm. light to the darkness and death and chaos of those who don't know Christ. Yeah. And so what's Paul, God's the one who does that. Yeah. Paul says, I'm the, I'm the bringer of a new covenant. I'm the ambassador for Christ. I don't have the power, right. but I'm the bringer and the ambassador. Right. That's how he interrupts yeah, his message. That's right. Uh, and man, again, just what a message for, for us. Is that, I mean, Paul's understanding of his ministry, uh, is that our hope? Is that our understanding even of, I mean, we working for for light bearers for ministry, is that what we're rooted in? That's uh, just a really good reminder. Uh, closing thoughts, First Second Corinthians, anything? Yeah. Closing thought would be, these books, First and Second Corinthians, I think we got to keep this in mind. These are written to a specific local church, and the New Testament does not conceive of an individual following Jesus outside of a church. Right. Like, just doesn't that doesn't really? That's a question that they wouldn't have thought of. And part of that was because they lived in a world of persecution where they had to band together. I think that that's a lesson for for our time. Right. When we think individualistically, we can tend to think in a consumer mindset of, "I'm going to listen to a podcast." Wink, wink. You know, I'm going <laughs> to no, I'm going to get my spiritual feeding here. I mean, Brett and I would be the first to say, if you're choosing between listening to this podcast and being active in your church, can the podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Shut this thing off. Okay, um, we are supposed to, as believers, be active in the local church. And I think that that's something that for a while I didn't really get. I think there was part of me that was like, I mean, you give me me and a Bible on a deserted Island. I mean, I can, I can learn some stuff. I can be good. Um, I will have a right relationship with the Lord. And it's just, it's just foolish and faulty. Yeah. We're, we're designed to have horizontal relationships. Um, whether that is with peers, whether that, um, involves some submitting to the authority of the church. I mean, all of those sorts of things, but Corinthians is going to say the church matters yeah, and the holiness of it matters. The, and in being involved in it matters. So um, that would be, I think that's a big deal. That's great. Well, thanks man. Enjoyed, enjoyed doing it. We'll, uh, we'll do it again sometime. You've been listening to the light bears Institute podcast, a production of light bears ministries. For more information, visit lightbears.com. Mm-hmm.